Welcome to Eye on Horror episode 32, otherwise known as season 2 episode 10. I think I got those numbers right. Uh, I'm your host, James J. Edwards, and with me as always is your other host, Jacob Davidson. How you doing, Jacob? Uh, doing well, all but literally just woke up. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's kind of chilly out, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's it, fall is here. So yeah, it's, there's there's a little crispness in the air. Uh, also with us is uh, your other host, John Korea. How you doing, Korea? Doing well. Uh, I'm out here in Las Vegas. Uh, after <laughs> so just, there's no Christmas in the air. <laughs> no, no, just very windy. It's very windy here. Oh, uh, but yeah, you know, nice needed little vacation after spending a week in uh, South Georgia. So, so this is vacation. This you're not you're not working. Yeah, I know. Weird. And he stopped to record a podcast with us. That's we're recording this at eight o'clock on a Sunday morning, which sounds like <laughs> and actually is the worst possible time to do it. But that's the only time that the three of us can get together. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so if if we if we go hard on Saturday night, uh, we end up sounding like it on Sunday morning. So that's our excuse. <laughs> If you ever hear us sounding a little tired, especially not so much going out and like, you know, painting the town, but you know, those midnight movies on Saturday nights, they take a toll Sunday morning. Oh Oh, yeah. Especially (laughs) depending on the theater, you know, with the seating, it, it can be, those could be worse than a night out sometimes because you're just sitting there like, uh, Ooh, Cinefamily back in the day. I loved Cinefamily, but the seatings were terrible and would always like destroy my tailbone. Well, the opposite, like I could never go to one of those midnight movies at, at one of those really nice AMCs that has the recliners because I'd be out. Yeah. Too easy to fall asleep. Yeah. Before the end of the first act, I'd be like, I mean, and and I'm old. So, you know, staying out late, like that's kind of a chore for me anyway. But real talk, have you guys been to an AMC prime theater? I have. I don't know which one. There's one AMC around me that literally has the leather recliners. Is that yeah. an AMC Prime? Well, okay. no. Those are those are becoming standard in like a lot okay. of them. AMC Prime, they they are leather and they are reclining, but they're like you can fully customize it. Like it's not just you go forward, you go back, and it puts you in the same position. These ones, like you could raise the feet, and it's more like oh. um, it's more like a zero G chair. It turns into. All I know is <laughs> no. I saw Rambo Last Blood in that, and that was the only enjoyable thing was my seating. Like my butt you know, felt <laughs> so supported the entire. Thank you time. for bringing that up. Let's let's go. Let's move to what we've seen because we need to talk about Rambo Last Blood. <laughs> oh. <laughs> do you, oh you want to? Did you see it, Jacob? No. Nope. Okay, because I know Korea and I are disagreeing on this. Yeah. You want to go first? <laughs> Do I want to go first? Not particularly. Um, I'll go first. I thought it was a really good time. It is, um, it, it's basically a slasher movie. And it's weird because you don't think of it as a horror movie, but it is. It totally is. It's a total revenge movie. Rambo actually, he, you know, Long story short, his niece gets abducted and he goes out for revenge. And he takes no prisoners in this damn movie. And there's like the whole like the whole last act is basically him killing an entire organization of Mexican sex traffickers, like single-handed. And it's funny, what I love most about it is they show him setting up the traps and you know, getting all of his stuff together. And then when they come for him, it shows every one of those traps and every one of his everything that he he plans out and lays comes to fruition. I just thought it was hilarious. And it's it's gory, it is violent, it's brutal. And I know Korea brought up the fact like privately that it's really MAGA centric and it is. It totally is. Yeah. It paints it paints all Mexicans as if they are sex traffickers. And there's even a couple glamour shots of like I it has to be CG though, because they shot that it takes place in Arizona. Right. And so I'm not sure if I'm sure they shot it there too, but they have a couple of drone shots that shows the Trump wall, but it's already painted black, which none of it is yet. So it's gotta be somewhat CG. But um, it's it's very much a, you know, rah, rah, MAGA movie. Yeah, <laughs> very much. Well, he- here's the thing. I there was so much there 
that I really wanted to like. Like, I really, first of all, I was really confused at the whole uh, Rambo finding peace and all that because we've never really <laughs> seen that with Rambo. Yeah. And so a little bit in part four before those missionaries come and drag him out. But even then, that was more like him putting himself into, uh, you know, a that was him putting himself in a cell, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That yeah. was his penance was being a boatman there here. It, it was it was just strange seeing Rambo content and happy. And there was little moments early on where they were developing that he still had PTSD in the most cheesiest way possible with flashbacks and Vietnam footage. Like it was just so well, the whole on the movie nose. is cheesy. The whole movie is is absolutely cheesy. And and that's kind of what I loved. <laughs> I just wish that like it was the, the whole PTSD thing was really well was explored better because that would have been a much more interesting story than Rambo versus the ultra violent faceless Mexican evil because that's really and that's really what like struck me in and rubbed me the wrong way was there was I think there was like one character from Mexico in that movie that wasn't in some way evil whether it was like the niece's friend who sells her out real real fucking quick um, to you know the uh the brothers who were the leaders of the thing. And that was Paz Vegas. Um, yeah. The character. woman who saves his ass. You know? Yeah. Who barely does anything. Like she, she saved him once. And then like, I, I thought that it was going to turn into a love interest situation, which would have been really corny, but it, thankfully it didn't No, But Paz Vega deserves so much better. Um, yeah. And then like the, and the more MAGA, heavy stuff was like how easy everyone crosses the border like super <laughs> fucking eat like rambo literally yeah. gets to the border there's a like what a barbed wire fence dude has no id yeah. no passport his niece definitely has no id and passport or anything because they both got messed up pretty bad in mexico and he just drives on through it and then like and and also when when the when the sex trafficker cartel comes for him yeah. they roll across in these armored humvees Fully with guns out. and grenades yep. and Christ. and bazookas hanging out of them it's like where the hell did they get across yeah and then and then the whole <laughs> yeah. third act becomes a stand my ground you know yeah and oh yeah so like i can see how a lot of it is well intentioned and the rambo series is pretty uh especially with the sequels gets pretty guilty of just like, you know, having Rambo versus like, um, mass amounts of faceless foreigners and killing them. But like this one just felt way more like senseless with it. Like, yes, the violence was very gratuitous. Um, but it just, I don't know. I think it's just cause of like where we are at this, like at this time and all the issues that we are having with, you know, people wanting to put up a wall and everything. It just felt like irresponsible. Even yeah, even if it wasn't yeah. intentional to to have like you know this yeah kill all them you know mentality with the film, it definitely comes off. But then again, that director also did get the gringo with Mel Gibson, and that film was very guilty of a lot of the same things too. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I I I understand everything you're saying, and and I yeah. agree that it does paint. 100% the wrong picture but by that th that third act I I loved I mean I was yeah. almost cheering myself and and Rambo is not the good guy although neither is the the cartel we there, there are no good the, the grandma maybe is the good right. guy but yeah it's there there are, there are no heroes in it but it, it is it's a fun little brutal gore and I kind of disagree with you that the violence is gratuitous I think it's cathartic and Rambo snaps and he just he basically kill them all, let God sort them out kind of a thing. It's it. Yeah, but it's kind of that PTSD comes back to him, I think. So, I mean, sure. You know, you brought up the fact, OK, his head's already off. Do you really have to shoot him with a shotgun? Yeah, <laughs> dude. It's like he went full Nick Cage in Portacol, New Orleans, <laughs> and it's like his soul yeah. is still dancing on them. You know, it's like that just seems like a bit much, especially with like how how I was like catching on all those like themes and stuff um i will say this i will say this the ticket to admission is almost worth it just for hearing sylvester stallone trying to speak spanish <laughs> oh was, shit 
There's there's only a few moments of it, but it's fucking hilarious with his thick, thick act like voice be like adios. Nah. You know, it's just nah. <laughs> They set him up with the Duolingo app, and they're like, oh, here, <laughs> they, <laughs> learn a few they, phrases. <laughs> he, just says, he says, like, adios, and then maybe, like, one line later. <laughs> Gracias, <it>. amigo. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's good. Okay, let's cleanse our palate of Rambo um, with another not quite horror, but still in the in the vein, Ad Astra. Do you guys see that? Ooh. Uh, no, I still need to see that. Ad Astra uh, is... For me, it was a lot like 2001 or, or Solaris, where it's this slow-paced, meditative space opera. Yeah. And Brad Pitt basically carries the movie. He's the only one who's in it from beginning to end. Um, but there's enough little pockets of action to let you, oh, yeah, this is a science fiction movie. And then there's like, like Donald Sutherland pops in for a couple scenes. Tommy Lee Jones pops in for a couple scenes. Uh, Ruth Nega pops in for a couple scenes. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's weird because it, it's basically Brad Pitt's journey, but all of these huge faces kind of just like pop in to kind of help shoo him along on his way. <laughs> but it's it's a. Uh, it has some of the craziest science. I actually tweeted to uh, Science versus Fiction, which is the new Scott Weinberg podcast, where. Uh, they actually take a look at the science behind these movies. Yeah. And I said, please, as as soon as more people have seen it, do Ad Astra. And I guess they have one coming out October 8th, Ad Astra versus Interstellar. Ooh. So I'm going to have all of my questions. Because the other guy who does it with him, um, I forget his name, but he's an astrophysicist. Oh, wow. So we're going to have all of at least my questions about the science answered <laughs> about Ad Astra. What did you think of Ad Astra, Korea? I, I loved it. Uh, I agree with you. It was it was nice and slow, nice slow burn. I saw it in IMAX, and it's the only way to see it. it it's, yeah, it's that kind of movie. It is a huge screen. Yeah, you you there, there's like so many like nice, just like you're just in there, and yeah, um, it was pretty great with the hard sci-fi like, and it's nice seeing like that type of um, sci-fi again get like a great budget and a great cast, like. Um, and yeah, I mean, like I could see a lot of the detractors, you know, with it being slow. And, oh, it's just Brad Pitt with daddy issues in space and that third <laughs> act. But you know what? It, it all worked for me. Um, and I have yeah. to say, like, I had the biggest, dumbest, shit-eating grin on my face for for one reason and one reason only. They had moon pirates. Guys. <laughs> what? And yes, this isn't spoiler because they show them in the trailers, but there's <laughs> fucking moon pirates. That's exciting. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, you sold me. It, it is. It's awesome. And Brad Pitt navigates his way through an asteroid field with just a solar panel <laughs> for protection. It's great. That's one of the big questions that I hope that they address in science versus fiction. <laughs> because, uh, you know, it's because it's, 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 it's entertainment and it's a Brad Pitt movie. So, you know, you're not expecting, you know gravity out of it or the right stuff although it is very similar to gravity i would say in um the fact that it's basically brad pitt just as that was sandra bullock that opening tower scene had my heart racing oh my gosh which I doesn't know, happen yes. often oh. for me with movies like but like i was sitting there and my heart was just pounding when like you just saw the different sections go no, oh. we um the the presser I went to for it um there there were technical issues with the film so they cut it off um about twenty minutes in and started it from the beginning so I got to see that tower scene twice oh. and it is I mean even the second time I'm like holy crap you know I, I even know what's gonna happen and I'm on the edge of my seat <laughs> yeah that's that's a that was a perfect opening yeah I'm definitely gonna have to see this in IMAX yeah definitely like, yeah uh. It's been, yeah, it's on my list, uh, although I'm sure it'll be in theaters for a little while. It probably, and and they're probably going to do, although I, I heard that Brad Pitt isn't going to participate in them, but they're probably going to do an, an Oscar push for it, so they'll, uh, they, they may re-release it in theaters a little closer to the season. But yeah, definitely hit it in IMAX, because not only because of the big screen, but you're going to want that sound too. You know, IMAX Atmos is going to be the best way to... Right to see it because it's I mean it's big sci-fi you know it, it, that's the way to see it while we're talking about uh, movies that aren't quite horror but are still awesome I saw the death of Dick Long 
Um, have you guys heard about this? Uh, yeah, my roommate saw it yesterday. Oh my god, I loved it. I absolutely loved this movie. It, it's made by one of the Dans who, uh, the Dans, the Daniels, I think they call themselves, are the guys who did Swiss Army Man. Oh, uh, yeah. And it's made by one of those guys. They, they, they split up, I guess, for this project. And it's, it's kind of like a Fargo type of a mystery where basically there's this there's this band this three-piece band and they party one night and one of them dick long ends up dead and the other two are trying to cover it up while the cops are searching for what happened and then the wives are kind of caught in the middle where they're like all they also want to know what happened but they also want to stand by their man kind of a thing so and it is i mean you can't really say too much about it without spoiling it because it's full of just these twists and turns and surprises. Uh, it's just genius writing. It's just really, really well written. It's it's definitely worth seeing. And uh, have you guys seen Villains? Not yet. Uh, is it? Uh, I wasn't sure if that was out. It it is. It's out at. Uh, I think it was a Regal exclusive. I don't know if it's gone wide yet. But it um it's another one of those um it's basically. Uh, Bill Skarsgård and Micah Monroe, which it's funny because they're like the it couple because it's it chapter two and it follows. <laughs> uh, I kill me. Uh, God and they, damn it, I'm they're, out. <clears throat> and they're, <laughs> they're like a uh, they're like this criminal couple, like a uh, like a Mickey and Mallory from Natural Born Killers, and they to get away they break into a house and they find a little girl chained up in the basement. They're like, oh holy shit, what do we do now? And the people who own the house are. Uh, Jeffrey Donovan and Kira Sedgwick and they are an even bigger pair of criminals than these two so the whole thing is just five people and it, it almost it comes off as like kind of like a stage play but it's it's pretty uh pretty violent pretty brutal pretty gruesome and it's and it's just a lot of fun villains is I mean it's very aptly named because there's not a hero in the damn movie <laughs> at all I mean every character in the movie is a villain so it's it's cool. So Jacob, what have you seen? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Beyond Fest just started at the Egyptian this week. Uh, it's the biggest genre film festival in the country, and they have a really great lineup this year. I was there opening night for their double feature of uh, Richard Stanley's Color Out of Space and uh, Adam Egypt Mortimer's Daniels and Real. Both were really well done. Both great. Uh, kind of out there horror, kind of hard to describe. But yeah, like um, Carlos Space, of course, being Richard Stanley's first uh, directed movie in like 20 years, and with Nicolas Cage in a Lovecraft adaptation, it shit gets wild. And they did a really great job of adapting to it, because it did still have that kind of Lovecraft feeling and cosmic horror and yeah, Nicolas Cage, you know, just, it's more of a gradual ca uh, Cage effect. Yeah, you know, he start because it's like, a, like with the story of Color Out of Space, like a meteor lands on this farm in New England and starts mutating and affecting everything. So it's kind of, uh... Does he get covered in meteor shit? <laughs> uh, not quite, but I think it, the meteor shit gets into the water supply and that leads to all sorts of crazy shit. Have you guys seen Shudder's Creepshow? We'll come back to that after we finish with Beyond Fest, but let's, let's stick a pin in that because we need to talk about Creepshow. Yeah, I was, in fact, speaking of Beyond Fest, I was at the oh, Beyond Fest premiere of Let's talk Creepshow. about it right now then. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, you haven't? No. Yeah, well, I didn't watch that Astro Rambo. <laughs> I have, uh... I saw just the first episode, which I think as of this, this recording is the only one that you can watch. Um, yep. The second, the second segment, the one with the dollhouse, House I of the Head. loved, loved it. I loved it. I wish it had ended a little more satisfyingly, but that's kind of par for the course with all creep show. It's, they always seem to not really skimp the ending, but they always seem to kind of write themselves into a corner and then they just go with like shock for the ending. And that's kind of what it was. But the setup for it was, was brilliant and the way that they shot it, it it reminded me a lot of hereditary with the little uh miniature houses going around yeah and it was written by the dude who did bird box oh was it okay yeah okay and 
Yeah, that and yeah, uh, that, that's the first episode was really good. Uh, again, I was at the Creep Show premiere at Beyond Fest, which was a lot of fun. Greg Nicotero and basically everybody involved in the show was there and talked about it being such a labor of love and you know how. <laughs> Greg Nicotero actually visited the set of the original Creep Show and met Romero when he was 17, and then he and then that's kind of what inspired him to become a special effects master, and um, yeah, and the and the other segment of the episode I really dug is called Gray Matter. It's a Stephen King adaptation with uh, uh, Breaking Bad's Giancarlo Esposito, who was also in Maximum Overdrive for the King Connection, and Tobin Bell from Saw, along with Adrian Barbeau from the original Creep Show, and Tom Hardy. Although what? not really Tom Hardy. No. Wait, what? It, when, when I was watching it, when it got to the dad, I was like, oh, Tom Hardy's in this. And then the <laughs> credits came up and it wasn't fucking Tom Hardy. So not only do we have Logan Marshall Green, now we have this other guy, which I, I forget his name, but now there are three freaking Tom Hardys. I was just about to say, was it, was it the guy from Upgrade? Was he in that episode? Is that who you're talking <laughs> no, about? no. But now there's three. Those three guys need to play brothers uh, in some Three brothers. <laughs> but yeah, no, the... Uh, the I really like that segment. It's basically about a kid whose dad is that keeps on asking him to get beer, even though there's a, a big storm about to hit this small New England town. So uh, the sheriff and his friend decide to go check it out, and turns out his dad's been drinking some beer that's been doing some weird shit to him, and things get uh, pretty crazy. And, uh, and and I really got to commend the show because the special effects are outstanding because it's all K and B. Greg Nicotero's. Uh, a practical effects company yeah with and nicotero like, at the helm i mean it's oh yeah it's got to be good yeah yeah no like those are some of the best looking monsters i've seen especially on a tv show in a long time and uh and i'm pretty excited too because uh uh at beyond fest they had a couple of the mo- of monsters from upcoming episodes on display and there's like a scarecrow a werewolf and some other thing that i can't even classify uh just uh, like right, ready to come in. Have you seen any of the episodes besides that first one? Well, that- when I was funny you mentioned that when I was at Monster Palooza, they did show a clip from an upcoming episode called The Companion, which is based off of a Joe R. Lansdale story and directed by David Ruckner from The Ritual. It, and is basically about a dude who finds a living scarecrow while he's being chased by his abusive brother. And it, and as a fan of scary scarecrow movies, uh, it does look like a generally freaky as hell scarecrow story. Yeah, and again, the creature effects just blow me away. So it's it's a, like this is quickly becoming like one of my favorite horror shows of the year. For me, it's more Tales from the Crypt than Creep Show. I mean, visually, no. because it doesn't lean as hard into the comic book thing as as I would like it to. But it's still, I mean, that's not an insult. Tales from the Crypt is awesome. So it was, uh, I, I enjoyed that first one and I can't wait for the rest. Yeah. And I was pretty lucky too, because at the screening they did for Beyond Fest, they, they, they did a surprise screening of Creep Show afterward in 35mm. And so uh. it was kind of interesting to see, see them... Uh, uh, parallel to each other. That's awesome. I haven't yeah. seen uh, the show yet, but I actually did had uh, an encounter, and this is one of those stories that makes me so happy to be a horror fan because I was on a layover last Saturday in Atlanta, and I was wearing my new Fright Rags Creep Show shirt for with the original poster baseball tee on it, and uh, I wasn't paying attention. I was sucked. I was reading emails on my phone, and this guy just came up to me, and he just goes. Hey man, I don't know who you are, but I love your shirt. And I look up, and this guy's wearing a shirt for the Creep Show TV show. And I just went, "Dude, you have an awesome shirt too!" And I was like, "How excited are you for that new show?" And he's like, "Oh, I'm super excited because I worked on it." And I got to chatting with him, and it turns out the guy was uh, worked on Greg Nicotero's uh, team. So I don't know if that guy's listening. Shout out to you, dude. Awesome work. <laughs> Come on the show if you're listening. Yeah. But all my coworkers were sitting around me and everyone's like, hey, John, do you know that guy? And one of them was like, no, this guy just saw his shirt. thought it was awesome. And now they're best friends. <laughs> <laughs> but that's that's the horror community. That's, you know, yeah, we, that's, we'll that's spot each other every now and then and just act like we're like we've known each other for years because <laughs> of a loved interest. <laughs> Anything else to report from Beyond Fest? Uh, yeah, I saw Bernard Rose's new movie uh, on Friday, Samurai Marathon, because it, it's crazy. Uh, Bernard Rose did a samurai movie in Japan, and it 
It was really good. Uh, it's in the style of uh, Jidekai movies, you know, like period uh, dramas, uh, you know, like Yojimbo or 13 Assassins uh, set in uh, 19th century Japan. And it, it's pretty cool. Like, it's based off of, uh, uh, like, a, a, some supposed historical events. Uh, basically, it's like when Japan is opened up by America, this lord who's who's kind of paranoid about it decides to order all his subjects, his uh, soldiers and samurai and even a couple ninjas to perform in a 36-mile marathon uh, to prove that uh, you know they're physically fit just in case uh, things uh, heat up but by accident a spy sends a letter to the shogun saying that there's an uprising happening so the shogun sends assassins to kill the lord and his troops so so things uh, get out of hand it's and I've and I really enjoyed it it's uh, got a real like I said uh, to, uh, 13 assassins vibe to it a little like feels kind of Takashi Miike like um and and it's mostly a drama but the, when the action goes down it does get bloody and violent and and uh wild uh so yeah it's totally in Bernard Rose's wheelhouse and uh Dave Houston is in it as the historical figure Commodore Perry who was the one who uh sailed to Japan to open it up um yeah it uh, it was very well done and it was it was a co-production in Japan like he well mostly Japanese crew like I, he was at uh, the screening and did, doing like a little intro and it was interesting to kind of hear him work uh, work like that just uh, kind of adapt uh, like working in Japan with a Japanese company with a mostly Japanese crew and um, that Bernard Rose made a very well done samurai movie cool well let's uh we, we talked too much about rambo and we're running behind so let's move on to our subgenre. uh what do we got well uh as i'm sure you've all heard the sad news uh we've lost a true giant of horror the late great sid uh sid haig and uh so we, we decided we figured it'd be a great way to honor him to talk about some of our favorite movies that he was in talk and talk about that a little bit yeah, Sid, it's kind of unfortunate because last time we recorded, he uh, he had had an accident and was in the hospital, but he was on the uptick. So we were wishing him well and thinking, oh, it'd be great. He'll be back. Out. And then he passed. So, of course, we felt like asses because our podcast went out wishing him well uh, and he didn't recover. So um, we we wanted to kind of pay some tribute to him because he the the word legend gets thrown around a lot but it actually applies to Sid Haig I mean not just horror movie wise but cinematically he was he he was everywhere yeah oh yeah especially when it comes to uh cult and exploitation films I mean most of like the golden age of like uh the Pam Greer black exploitation films he had roles in them uh Foxy Brown White Mama Coffee I I had heard somewhere that um, that when Tarantino made uh, Jackie Brown, um, he had Sid Haig was cast as the judge and he didn't let Pam Greer know that he was the judge. So when she showed up to shoot that scene, um, all of a sudden Sid Haig is the judge. And it was like it was like a huge black exploitation reunion, you know, on the set. And not to mention Pit Stop. Pit Stop's awesome. And Sid Haig was just great in that his coolest movies for me uh i mean aside from the rob zombie ones which he kind of which kind of jump-started his career which rob zombie has done for you know more than one person let's be honest but um the real early jack hill ones that he was doing you know like like spider baby or um yeah. bloodbath yeah you know the, just the old the i mean not quite corman but corman distributed i guess i guess they were new world pictures but it, but they were jack hill directed and they're just um i mean who else but jack hill could get lon cheney jr and sid haig together in a movie yeah i i actually rewatched that in honor of his passing and it still really holds up well it's because it's like kind of a proto like uh house with a with a horror family type situation because uh you know it's like about these people with the mary syndrome where it's like they've got the uh sensibilities of a child but uh the minds and bodies of adults so like they're sociopaths and sid haig looks so young in it yeah and he he and he plays 
like a very childish character. His name's yeah. Ralph, and like there's that scene where he has to dress up in a sailor suit. Yeah, yeah. He looks he looks like a child, even though he he had done a bloodbath a few years before where he he uh it's so funny because he is a good foot and a half taller than anybody else in the cast so in bloodbath it looks so funny he looks like a giant and his character is called um abdul the arab i think so i think that's the name of the character um which you know hey this was 66 times were different you know you could call a guy abdul the arab without seeming uh racist but um it's just funny that spider baby made him look like like a child when we had seen him you know with a full beard three years earlier and that that was also jack hill yeah no uh, i really need to uh kind of go back and check out that era more because i haven't seen a lot of his early stuff and uh, just in general I need to watch more jack hill movies but it is cool that yeah he was kind of in that realm between like jack hill and roger corman and all that uh which brings me to another one because another uh, Roger Corman movie I remember him pretty well from was uh, Galaxy of Terror, you know, kind of, kind of his, a- kind of Corman's alien riff, and the inter- and I love the story about that because he, he he plays like a warrior on this spaceship going on this expedition, and and uh, he but his thing is is that he doesn't talk. It's like he he's kind of like he's kind of like a Jedi except instead of a lightsaber he's got like this uh, crystal shuriken. And he doesn't say he only has one. He only says one line in the movie. But apparently that that was because like he didn't really like the script, so he decided. So he asked Corman if he could do it as like almost a mute. But but the one line he delivers is so badass because he's like, "I live and I die by the crystals," and <laughs> so it, so like he just kind of saved it up for that one line, and he just really hit hit that one. What about you, Korea? What do you? What what's your uh, Sid Haig go to? Well, I mean, the, one of the great things about his career is that Sid Haig was also a very prolific TV actor. Like he's oh, yeah, in, yeah. If you look at his IMDb, he's in so many classics from T.J. Hooker, Dukes of Hazard, Amazing Stories, Hill Street Blues. Like he pops up in all these little areas, so it's always fun if you're ever watching like Me TV or something, and some of these classic shows come on, and all of a sudden, boop, there's Sid Haig, you know. Heather Langenkamp uh, had tweeted out something about, you know, she says, I know you all know him from Roger Corman and uh, and Rob Zombie, but for me, he'll always be the janitor Bob on Just the Ten of Us because she was on Just the yeah. Ten of Us. And huh. that's where she remembers meeting him from. And but I mean, Korea's right. He was in just about every TV show in the 80s. I think he popped on uh, it, as like a guest star. He was like one of those, you know, if they needed someone with a certain look. But I remember he was on like Fantasy Island and uh, I want to say he was on Magnum P.I. as well. But he he was all over the place. Just one of those very familiar faces. Yeah. Oh, extremely so. And that's why for me, uh, my uh, when I think of like classic Sid Sid Haig, um, I have to go with Foxy Brown when he's Hayes. Sid Haig as uh, Hayes and Foxy Brown. That's just like where you could really see him and Pam Greer having some great chemistry because um, the two of them work together so much on Jack Hill films. Uh, but yeah, Foxy Brown not only is like the epitome of a female-led exploitation film uh, and Pam Greer vehicle, but yeah, I, that's my favorite Sid Haig performance. And then, of course, Captain Spaulding. Oh, yes. Where, yeah. um, you know, three movies. Have either of you guys see Three from Hell yet? Uh, not yet. I, I haven't seen it either, so. But he was also in other, ro- I mean, he was, I think, Halloween 2 and Lords of Salem, you know, just little yeah. bit parts. So I think he, he and Rob Zombie, and Rob Zombie actually uh, Instagrammed out a, a bunch of really great photos and touching stories. You know, he, you could tell that he and Sid were close. And uh, it, it's, you can tell, n- not just Rob Zombie, everybody was affected by Sid's passing, but especially Rob Zombie. He, you could tell that he runs the kind of sets. I imagine like Tarantino's sets as well, because he keeps working with the same people. Um, that everybody just—it's it, almost like a class reunion when they make another movie, kind of a thing, you know. Like everybody's, you know, good to see you again, you know, kind of a thing. So, uh, Rob Zombie had even said that it was Bill Mosley who called him and let him know too, which is another in the zombie stable uh, stable of actors so yeah it's just 
it's just kind of I mean you can't say it's unexpected because he he was not elderly but he was he was pretty old and he did just have that medical emergency and I guess it was a lung infection that basically complications of his fall that that finally did it so not unexpected but still tragic yeah R.I.P. yep rest in peace so let's move on to our topic um which I'm going to let Korea introduce it because I'm not exactly positive if I can even explain what the idea is. So, uh, Korea, what are we going to be talking about for the rest of the episode? Well, listen, our last episode, we got we got pretty heavy. It was uh, a little too heavy, yeah. A we lot of this episode has been pretty heavy. Um, kind of. You know, so I figured we'd do something a little bit more lighthearted, a little bit more relaxed, and uh, talk about October because obviously yeah. we're all horror fans. We love horror Halloween is our uh, it's 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 our holiday. I mean, that's it's our given. time, and it's our time up there. <laughs> it's our time to shine. But I mean, I don't know about you guys, but like I celebrate Halloween basically every day. I don't know that sounds cheesy, but it's <laughs> like the horror movies never stop playing on the TV. I don't yep. need a specific month to tell me to watch horror, you know. But definitely everything amps up around October. I was jokingly told by fiance the other day that. It's my most expensive month out of the year. And uh, that's because there's so much to do and there's so many traditions and so many things. So I just wanted to like get a discussion going this week on what we do uh, ourselves for Halloween each year. I know there's a lot of different things that people do. Um, like I've definitely attempted the 31 days of Halloween of watching a different horror movie every day and every year I always try to make it movies I haven't seen yet and every year I always end up missing like a week of being able to do it but yeah what are some like uh, what are some big things that you guys do uh, during the month of October to celebrate um, for me the, my big thing are the horrorthons. like yeah, there's a couple that pop up every year and this year is going to be particularly interesting because I'll basically be having a horathon every week in October. Uh, okay, because uh, well, one of the more traditional ones, of course, is the New Beverly Horathon. Uh, they do a a uh, dust to dawn type uh, horathon with like all night horror show, excuse me. And uh, it's all kept a secret, so you'd never know what you're going to ex- get. Is it on a Saturday? Yeah, it's on a Saturday. So we need to make sure we don't record the day after that? Yes. The Sunday after? <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> I, I, otherwise, I'd be very sleepy. Uh, and it's also cool because, you know, it's the new Beverly Tarantino Theater, so it's all 35 millimeter or otherwise prints. And uh, it's always fun guessing because they do this little game where they play trailers related to the movie they're about to play so you kind of get a preview or like a guess of what you're just about to see and it's always yeah there's always something wild uh so i'm pretty interested to see what they dig up this year and aside from that there's a uh anthology-a-thon happening on the 12th uh hosted by friday night frights and secret 60 millimeter where they're basically going to do a marathon of anthology movies which is going to be so much fun because instead of just six movies and six stories it's going to be six movies and like dozens of horror stories in one yeah and really getting your money's worth with that one oh Oh, extremely so. And, of course, I've got to talk about our horathon because I work at the Arrow Theater in Santa Monica, and we have an annual horathon every year uh, on, and at last Saturday of the month. This year's the 27th, and uh, it's looking to be really crazy. Uh, we announced the lineup, too. Let's see. It's uh, remembering offhand. Uh, we've got Critters, Halloween 2, Ruby, um... But it's going to be a fun time, and I love I love the Arrow Horathon because we get to dress up in costume, and we have our signature mascot, Corn Gorn, the Living God, and all these characters and stuff. Uh, so it's all it's always a fun time, and I've got a ton of movies and horathons to do this year. I'm the Debbie Downer of the group because I don't really do anything different in October. Um, I kind of you know how people who drink heavy consider Cinco de Mayo and St. Patrick's Day amateur hour. (laughs) And I I won't say that's how I feel about October with other people, but I I don't really do anything 
different during October. You know, I, I basically celebrate horror year round and I know you guys do too. Yeah. Um, and part of it might be because I am, I'm not in LA, I'm in San Diego. So I don't have access to all the all night horror thons kind of a thing. The most I have is there's one theater down here who does midnight shows, which next week they're doing scream. And the week after that, they're doing Halloween. This is the Ken cinema. So that's kind of the only deal there. What I do do is, uh, I keep an eye on Voodoo for their... Because they always have some awesome Halloween sales. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I usually can fill in some holes in the digital collection. Um, and that's where my money goes this time of year, honestly, is uh, is plugging in... Uh, plugging some holes in the collection because I love the Halloween sales that they, that, that they have, you know. Because I don't leave the house. I, you know, I, <laughs> you know my ideal... Horrorthon is, you know, between the dogs on the couch <laughs> with a monster in my hand and uh, the remote in the other. Yeah. So Jacob's, you know, sitting in theater seats for the entire month, it sounds like, and you're at home <laughs> with much. the dogs. Both sound yep. awesome. Uh, <laughs> definitely. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm definitely doing some marathons, like at home mostly, mostly catching up on all the Blu-rays I've bought throughout the year that haven't gotten around to because of work and whatnot but uh i am going to beyond fest is doing a uh, triple feature with tom atkins um, yeah tom atkins is gonna be there so i'm gonna try to get him to sign the chest of my tom atkins action figure i got recently <laughs> seriously i think i posted a, a photo yeah uh you open it up dude tom atkins is stacked but i, I want to um, know yeah. how how anatomically correct i mean like like is is t- make tom atkins open up his shirt and get a picture of him next to your uh, your action figure <laughs> does we'll he really see. look like that <laughs> uh but that should be good because it's uh halloween three season of the witch the fog and night of the creeps which halloween three and night of the creeps i've seen hundreds of times i love those films and i've actually and it's sad i own two copies of it on blu-ray but i've never watched the fog so that will be really yeah, so that'll be... Uh, the Fog is awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking Classic. forward to it, uh, definitely. And outside of that, I mean, like, there's uh, the typical uh, me being a Target fiend, going to Target and buying some of their, like, ridiculous... <laughs> there's always one ridiculous uh, Halloween decoration I buy each year, and it generally is around 30 bucks. So last year it was a maniacally laughing uh, jack-o'-lantern that's been sitting <laughs> on our fireplace uh. for a while. This year, it was a giant skull. Like, I mean, this oh, nice. thing is like, it's huge. Uh, it's like the size of my upper body. And uh, I've never seen my fiance more perplexed than when she walked in and was just like, uh, what, what's this? I'm like, it's a skull. She's like, what does it do? I'm like, it doesn't do anything. It's just a skull. She's like, well, why do we have this? I'm like, it was 30 bucks. Why not? <laughs> I don't <laughs> I have seen pictures <laughs> online of... Um, that that the spirit store has bright burn masks oh nice um and and i kind of want one <laughs> just because that would be the easiest halloween costume ever just a bright burn mask over just like regular collared shirt and pants you know? well you also need the cape <laughs> too yeah you would need the cape in the movie is the cape attached to the mask though um i think it was because so, kind of like a hood yeah so i don't know if um maybe the mask comes with a cape i don't know but yeah that's uh i'm i'm i'd be lying if i said i wasn't thinking about going to spirit store and, and check out the brightburn masks so so what are you guys thinking of doing uh costume wise i don't know do you guys dress up and if so what what do you think um well yeah i mean uh you know i always have trouble with costumes just mostly because i'm i'm cheap when it comes to costumes i don't like to spend too much uh but uh yeah well like last year i was red for mandy nicholas cage's character was because it was easy to put together and uh it's usually just kind of whatever i'm into at the time i guess like uh i was just thinking last night um you know because like i was thinking about you know like uh rucker howard passed away this year sadly and i was re-watching so many of his movies uh i was i was thinking maybe i could do hobo with shotgun easy to do and i'd be honoring the man 
I mean, you definitely need the sock full of coins with that costume. <laughs> that's the that's yeah. the deal sealer. My go-to Halloween costume, just because I have the dog to warrant it, is Davy and Goliath. <laughs> um, Gee, Davy. Yeah, yeah. Because because I my my dog is an eighty-pound boxer, and he looks like Goliath. So all I have to do is throw on the gray pants and the red plaid shirt, and. Uh, and then I get to bring my dog anywhere I go because he's part of my costume. <laughs> Brilliant strategy. <laughs> and that's Davy and Goliath, not moral oral, right? <laughs> oh, wow. It's, it's either that or I could dress up as Shaggy because my dog also bears a resemblance to Scooby-Doo. Zoinks. <laughs> right. <-roo. laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I try to be a bit creative with mine. Um but go as cheap as hell so like last year i went as tina from bob's burgers which uh after a few uh me wearing a skirt was uh they had no pockets like I, uh. I that was my resolve this year was to make sure i had a costume with pockets i kept losing all my stuff but um so this year i i'm gonna go as sam neil in the mouth of madness uh, specifically when he's in the movie theater and he's got all the crosses drawn all over himself with the big thing of popcorn so I have the uh, I have the nurse's uniform. Got it real cheap from Dickies. Now I just need to spend a few days just drawing crosses all over it. So if I seem a little loopy the next time, it's probably because I drove myself mad trying to make that costume. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and I'll feel bad for whoever I'm working for the next day because knowing me, I'll probably just sharpie it all on my face too. Yeah. <laughs> so just be walk say. around with crosses drawn all over my face for a few days. Sounds like a plan. Or you could just use the same paint that, like, football players use so it'll come off. Yeah, but I don't want it to come off th throughout the night, you know? Ah, <laughs> uh, there you go. Okay. I get sweaty. You know, I'm fat and hairy. I, I sweat very easily. So, like, it might just have to be permanent marker and, uh, you know, just freaking out people for a few days after. Or I could just go to Hollywood Boulevard and maybe make a few bucks posing for pictures. <laughs> yeah, there's an idea. Yeah. Maybe. You, you like how, how he threw in the posing for pictures, like, kind of as an afterthought? Yeah, as soon as it, that first part we, left, my, <laughs> left my mouth, I was like, oh, not that end of Hollywood <laughs> Boulevard, yeah. people. The one... Don't want to give people the wrong idea. <laughs> the, the, near the Chinese theater, not, you know, not near Los the Los Angeles' Times Square. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um... Yeah, and let's see, aside from that, um, you know, it's kind of funny talking about because I've already kind of done it, but, you know, going to, like, uh, haunted houses and stuff, like, I've already done Knott's Berry, or Not Scary Farm and Halloween Horror Nights, but, you know, there's still plenty of stuff to do. Oh, yeah, there's still Six Flags, there's still, um, one of the great things I love about living in the Valley, especially uh, in near Burbank, uh, near Magnolia Park, is... Magnolia Park already has a lot of horror-centric uh, shops with Dark Delicacies, uh, the Bearded Ladies Mystic Museums, and uh, three different Halloween Town shops. So, like, we we celebrate horror at Magnolia Park year-round, but uh, there's also a lot of people who they turn their houses into little haunted houses things that you can, and they have maps and addresses, and it's all free. So you can go and visit and uh, see all this great work that in, people independently put together into as well. So it's always something to do does disneyland still haunt the the park out like they used to uh yeah yeah they do they do some stuff like basically they 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 turn all of the french quarter into the haunted mansion kind of a thing and uh to my understanding yeah like i've never been to disneyland but i got friends who go there quite regularly you've never been like ever no Disney never been wow. Yeah, it's, never, it's too damn expensive i you know yeah my, yeah, my days of going to disneyland i think are over but um, as much as I want to see Galaxy's Edge, but yeah, I just can't afford it. I mean, I used to go all the time when it was like 15 bucks for an all-day <laughs> pass, but this is, you know, the 80s. Yeah, yeah. different times. But yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't matter if you go big and go to hit up all the amusement parks. I'm definitely looking forward to our annual visit of uh, Halloween Horror Nights at Universal, especially yeah. since they have a Ghostbusters uh, one this year. But or like small things like hanging out and watching movies with your dogs. As long as you keep the spirit of Halloween in your heart, it's always there. Oh, <laughs> that's that's sweet, John. Aww. And on that, let's uh, <laughs> let's call this an episode. Uh, 
little lighter weight than uh, we have been, but that was the point. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Our music is Restless Spirit. So if if, if this episode was too lightweight for you, go listen to their record and that'll uh, that'll wake you right up. Uh, Our artwork is by Chris Fisher. So go and check out his other artwork as well. Uh, me, James J. Edwards, you can find on the Twitters at Cinema Ferite. That's like Verite, but with fear. So F-E-A-R-I-T-E. Uh, where can we find you guys? Jacob. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jacob Davison underscore. That is at J-A-C-O-B-D-A-V-I-S-O-N underscore. And you can also find my horror anthology uh, podcast series that I'm writing for Dead Time Stories on iTunes and Google Play and all that business. When are your new episodes coming out? I've been listening and it's always some other dude writing. I want to hear some more of yours. Uh, mine should be coming soon. I don't have an exact date, but uh, they're in the can and uh, th- those should be released soon. And I've got more in the pipeline. So stay tuned. What What is the theme of your next episode that's coming up? Because because uh, the title of the of the episode will be whatever theme it is, oh, right? So, um, uh, boogeyman, boogeyman. Okay, so when I see boogeyman, I'll know those are yours. Okay, indeed. Cool. And uh, where can they find you, Korea? You can find me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at Korean Barbecue. That's C O R R E I A N B B Q. Uh, you can also find me, uh, Kelly, and a few others on iHorror's uh, Stardust, which is just iHorror News. Uh, I've been promising it for months, but yeah, I will I will post more there. <laughs> I, I'm still looking for your Friday the 13th reviews from... Uh... Yeah, I, I watched uh, part two, and then... Nice. And then, yeah, and then went to Georgia, so, you know. <laughs> I watched the, the reboot of Friday the 13th, and it's so funny because you're a third of the way into the movie before the opening title card, Friday the 13th, comes up. It always blows me away. I always forget. Yeah, I love that intro. That it's got the intro is awesome. Uh, also got an announcement. Uh, I did a guest spot on the podcast, uh, The Pod and the Pendulum. Uh, which covers, you know, just kind of horror franchises. And I'll be talking about Blair Witch 2016. Uh, That episode should be coming out relatively soon. Cool. So if you have not gotten enough of Jacob here on Eye on Horror, you can find him in other places. (laughs) Um, You can find all three of us um, at the Eye on Horror Facebook page, at the Eye Horror Facebook page, uh, or at iHorror.com. And uh, that's pretty much it for uh, this episode. So we'll see you in a couple weeks. So for me, James J. Edwards. I'm Jacob Davison. And I'm Jonathan Korea. Keep your eye on horror. (laughs) 